Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today we have our first nationwide branch out podcast interview, and we have Michael Kosich from the University of Alabama, and he is their director of men's basketball operations. So how are you doing tonight, Michael? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And and I, as much as I love the um, Roll Tide and everything, I'm actually down here at South Alabama. Oh, did I say University of Alabama? I am so sorry. I meant All South good. Alabama. <laughs> All good. <laughs> they, 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 they're probably so happy because they, they beat us by five this year. So if, if we would have gotten that win, they probably would be more upset, but they, they can still laugh at us little guys. Hey, you know what? The fact that you were able to keep up because they're a very good program too, just as you guys are. That's really good. No, yeah, they're very talented for sure. For sure. So you kind of have a weird background because as we were talking, you actually have connections to Billings. So kind of just run me through your background and, you know, what got you to South Alabama? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely unique is a good word for it. Um, my grandparents actually um, kind of settled in Billings. Uh, my grandfather was the Dean of Boys at Billings Senior High School, as well as the football coach, and that's actually where my um, my dad graduated from from Billings Senior High. He played football there, um, and then went to the Naval Academy and was actually a, a Top Gun fighter pilot after graduating from the Naval Academy. So um, it kind of came full circle. Uh, we would always come up to Billings to to visit the grandparents over Christmas or in the summer. And then when they passed, my dad actually moved into their house on, um, on Avenue F. So Billings is definitely special to the family. Um, I played tennis at MSUB and was also a student assistant at MSUB. So, um, you know, Billings is a special place, but I, um, I grew up in Colorado. Um, down in Denver, which is where um, my dad moved to when he worked for United Airlines. So that's where I was born and grew up there in the Highland Ranch area, moved to California, uh, sophomore year of high school to actually attend a tennis academy where my dad, um, my dad worked. He was the dorm dad there, which gave me a chance to go out there and, and be at the academy and graduated high school there and then actually went to LaSalle University, a, a small division one school in the Atlantic 10 in, uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, and at LaSalle, I played number one singles as a freshman and also was a student manager for the basketball team, one of two to, to really full-time travel for, for Dr. Janini and, and the Explorers, which was great because it, it kind of got me back into basketball. I remember sitting in my first class at LaSalle and I ended up emailing their director of operations who was Sean Neal at the time and um, basically said, hey, I'm, I'm here on a tennis scholarship. That's obviously my obligation because they're helping pay for my pay for my school. And, um, you know, so I, I'm I'm obligated to that, but I, I played basketball growing up and played through freshman year of high school. And that's when I kind of decided tennis um, was going to take me a little bit further. So focused on it from there, but would love to get back in it any way, shape or form. And um, he said, come up to the office and went up to the office after that class. And, and they had practice later that day. And, and the rest was kind of history. So they say, um, 
I was lucky enough to, to travel that year and, and got to do, um, that's when they still had the 24 hours of basketball and we played Baylor on ESPN at, I think like nine 30 in the morning or something oh, like God. that. Um, so got to travel to that. We went to the Cancun challenge that year. Um, and then obviously being in a Philadelphia school, you know, the, the, the big five is, a, is a special thing. So games against Penn and, and Villanova and St. Joe's in the Palestra, which is arguably one of the meccas of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just really, really cool for lack of better words and, and got me really excited. I saw how Dr. Janini, you know, handled his staff and saw, you know, kind of what division one basketball was. Um, after my freshman year, which is when my grandparents actually passed away. That's when my dad moved up to Billings. He actually became, um, the tennis coach there the year before and took a team that was, I'm not sure their exact record, but I think they maybe had three wins the previous year. And he took that same exact team with the same exact players to the NCAA tournament for the division two ranks. So, you know, he had really had something special brewing. Um, LaSalle was really expensive, even with, you know, grants and everything. So, I ended up transferring to Montana State Billings mainly for tennis um, to go back home. I could get a full scholarship at the public school and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so made that transition over the summer, and Dr. Janini actually called the um, the coach at Montana State Billings, who was Jamie Stevens. It was going to be mm-hmm. his first year as a head coach there, and said, um, "You know, you got to." He gave me a good recommendation, if you will. I'm not sure exactly what he said because I wasn't on the phone call, obviously. (laughs) But um, Coach Stevens extended an opportunity for me to be a student assistant for the Yellow Jackets, which was which was awesome. Um, It was a little bit more responsibility, I guess you could say, because as a manager at a Division One school, you know your your main responsibilities are packing, laundry, towels, (laughs) water, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, obviously you're in practice and you travel and, and all that kind of stuff. So you get to see how everything is, but you know, you don't really have, um, staff responsibilities, if that makes sense. So as a student assistant, which was really one of, I think we only had, it was me and an assistant and obviously coach Stevens, um, you you just get a little bit more responsibility so I could help, I could help the staff as sort of a, you know, student assistant as, as opposed to a student manager if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. Um, that year was the year that uh, the Yellow Jackets won the GNAC and went to the NCAA tournament. So that was awesome to be a part of that and contribute to that. Um, and then that next year w- was a good year. And so I was there for two years. And then at that point, I kind of had an opportunity to um, transition back to tennis and ended up traveling for the next two years on the professional tennis tour with a girl that was top 30 in the world. Her name was Olga Pushkova. And, um, you know, she, I think we got to the third round of the U.S. Open. She beat Venus Williams at some point around those two years, got to the finals of a tournament in Brazil, really had a great year. Her father was her main coach, um, but I would, you know, be there to, to practice if she needed it or to, you know, just mainly just contribute to, to 
her positivity and and you know do everything I could to to help her win matches. Um, and then unfortunately she came, you know, and had an injury and and really didn't play a match for a really long time. So that that happened really right as I was graduating from MSUB. I stayed online, um, got my business degree at MSUB throughout all that. That was a um, you know something I promised my parents is that I wouldn't I wouldn't stop going to school if I left attending classes and and mm-hmm. playing tennis UB. Um, so I stayed in school while traveling around the world and finished my degree, like I said, kind of as right when she got injured. So um, that was May, I think, of 2015. And I had kind of a transition to make. Obviously, I didn't. Um, it, it was kind of a wake up call, if you will, to whereas if you're coaching in tennis, you're really coaching one player mm-hmm. and it could all really be done at any at any second, you know, um, and I was young enough to, you know, I didn't have financial obligations and, you know, she never paid me. It was really, you know, just kind of an internship, I guess, if you will. Um, she always took care of me and I had no expenses or anything, but, um, it wasn't a, a career, if you will. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, I, you know, I reached out to my brother and, and we kind of had a, a father son talk, if you will. He's, much older than I am. So he's, he's really, you know, could be a father age wise to me, if that makes sense. Um, and they were going through a little transition of themselves. He's a Marine. Um, he was stationed down in Southern Maryland. His wife was a veterinarian full time. Um, and they had three kids that were, you know, 12, 10 and eight at the time, I believe. So, um, I went out there and, and kind of spent the summer there as a, a glorified nanny and, and helped in any way I could to, you know, drive the kids to sporting events or swimming or the school play or whatever it might be is as sort of a, a, a third driver to help in any way that I could. Um, and then over that summer, my niece actually had a swim meet at the local college down there, St. Mary's College in Maryland which is, uh, it's a public honor school. It's division three. It's really, really well known for academics, obviously being an honors college. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also have a really rich tradition in men's basketball and coach Harney played there. He'd been coaching there, I think for 12 years, maybe at the time when I was there. So he had been there for a while, uh, been ranked in the top 10, gone to the elite eight, um, really had a, a really good program. And while I was there, um, I went over to the men's basketball office and between my, my niece's heats and he happened to be in there, um, just kind of introduced myself and, and told him, you know, I'm, I'm living in the area, not really sure what's next, but, um, you know, would you possibly have anything here and to help you? Uh, and he was on his way out and he said, well, come back nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Let's sit down. Let's talk. So, um, went back down there in the morning and basically he said, uh, he, he doesn't have a paid for position obviously, but, um, he, he would not turn away any volunteer help, uh, and that he could get me situated in the public school system to try to be, you know, substitute teacher to try to have some type of income while being there. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the opportunity was to be a college basketball assistant coach. 
And, you know, he said, I could do anything that I wanted to do as far as that goes. So I was hooked. I'm like, let's do it. And basically I had a conversation with my brother and said, Hey, uh, maybe I can stick around for a year and just kind of see where this goes. Um, so that's basically what it kind of became. And <laughs> it went on for three years. <laughs> so, um, in that time, obviously, you know, I substitute taught at my, um, my nephew's school and it became my niece's school when she got old enough to go there as the local middle school. So I would just drive them to school in the morning, drop them off. Um, some days I would substitute, some days I would go right down to the office at nine o'clock. Um, but then would always come back at two o'clock if I, if I didn't substitute that day, take them home. Um, and then at the division three level, obviously we only had one basketball court, um, and mm -hmm. St. Mary sponsored men's and women's basketball and volleyball. So, um, you know, it's not like division one now where, you know, we have practice facilities and, you know, volleyball has their own spot and all that kind of stuff. So, right. um, coach Harney always liked to do the late practice. So, you know, volleyball may go two to four women's basketball would go four to six. And then, um, you know, we would go six to whenever really, um, mm -hmm. sometimes we may start a practice at eight o'clock if we, um, if we were going. So it gave me the opportunity to, to be with the family, but then, you know, after dinner, head down to practice pretty much. Um, so it really was, it really worked out perfectly. Um, and like I said, I did that for three years and then, um, I did a really bad job of kind of networking, if that makes sense, because I just, I felt, and this is just a personal belief, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to look for a job while having a job. And I, that's the case yeah. for me now to this day. Um, I'm absolutely hundred percent loyal to the boss that I have. Um, and I joke because I feel like maybe that's why I thought it was okay to be a, a volunteer for three years. I think I was, <laughs> I think I was coach Harney's second longest volunteer coach stint. Um, Cause he would always have five or six volunteer assistants down there, but you know, they would have to commute and, you know, weren't lucky enough to live in the area. So it'd be a one year thing to, to try to get another job, if you will. Mm -hmm. Coach Harney was really, really good at it. That's why his tree is so, is so large. Um, so after the second year, obviously, you know, a little pressure from the brother and the family saying, Hey, like you can't live in the basement forever. Let's like, Let's get a move on. So um, I started to do graphics and I basically taught myself on YouTube. I would drive my nephew. Um, he actually played for the DC United Youth Academy team. So oh, wow. it was about an hour and a half drive, three days a week, well, three hours total because they're in back. So um, most of the time I would be the one driving him up there, watching the practice and drive back. So I had ample amount of time, if you will. Uh, while watching his practice obviously I wasn't watching YouTube while we drove um, <laughs> but I kind of taught myself graphics and turned that into a way to try to build genuine relationships with division one level coaches um, or other you know coaches in the business um, you know just because I, I just I'm bad at I'm bad at that kind of used car salesman try to meet a bunch of people because I really want a job you know, I just, I don't feel like that's the way to generate. That's not the icebreaker. In my opinion, you should not go meet people to try to have a job, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I did that and, and I was lucky enough to, you know, long story short, I, um, 
I saw Coach Riley give a press conference or, you know, post-game interview or, or whatever the technical term might be. And he was talking about burn the boats, which is kind of his mantra. Um, and that, that resonated with me because that's a story that my grandfather used to tell. And I, no one I had ever heard talk about it except for my grandfather until Coach Riley talked about it, or I heard him talk about it. So I just, out of the blue, kind of shot him an email saying, you know, Coach, can't remember exactly what I said, obviously, I won't pretend to, um, but Coach, you know, saw your, saw your press conference, saw you talking about burning the boats. That's something that my grandfather always used to talk to. You're the only other person I've heard talk about it. It would be, you know, just a privilege to, to connect with you and, and kind of expand on it. Um, and it was not very much after the moment I clicked sent where he sent back a, an email three times the length of what I had sent him, gave me a cell phone number um, and, you know, said to reach out anytime. So the first time I actually talked to him on the phone was during lunch while my class was out to recess. And, you know, I went into the conversation thing. Oh, yeah, this is going to be five minutes. He's a division one head coach. Like he's got 12,000 things going on. Right. And I actually had to end the conversation. You know, I was saying the coach, like <laughs> kids are coming back into the classroom. I can't be on my phone anymore. Um, <laughs> but it, it was really, really great because he kind of has the background um, that I sort of had. You know, I was a volunteer, low division three assistant he has started at the NAIA level obviously has done much better than I have at being the head coach now and, and division one assistant and everything but um, that's another reason why I wanted to connect with him just because he kind of had that ground level start um, that I had obviously he played a year at Eastern Kentucky but then um, you know really went into coaching so I didn't play any college basketball I don't my my cousin is not Mike Krzyzewski you know what I mean um so I really wanted to get the insight from him because I felt like it was something very similar to to me if that makes sense so um basically over the next year and a half I just stayed in touch sent him some text messages after games that they you know had some good wins or or you know touch base with them on the phone once every couple months and and I was lucky enough to just be on his mind when uh, he got the South Alabama job, um, oh. met him in person the first time. And I remember I was sitting at the Riverwalk in San Antonio, actually talking with Coach Giannini, um, who was no longer the LaSalle coach at the time. Um, but my phone rang and, and, you know, Richie Riley was on the, on my, uh, you know, screen. So, um, answer the call. And he said, Mike, are you in San Antonio? And, you know, we had been texting a little bit before I told him I was going to be down at the final four. And mm -hmm. he said, come, come over to the Hilton Hilton hotel. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the lobby. So that was obviously my heart's racing as I'm walking four or five blocks over <laughs> to, to the Hilton. Cause this is a week after he had gotten the South Alabama job and you know, he was being talked about all over the place and everything. And I'm like, I'm about to go meet coach Riley. So, um, talked with him for a long while. He kind of asked, you know, what, what you want, you know, what your next kind of goal is. And I told him my next goal was to be a, a division one GA, um, just cause I felt like that was kind of the next, you know, step on the rung. Um, mm -hmm. 
and he said that he had a he had a GA position open. Um, now it wasn't it wasn't paid for or you didn't get paid. It really was just um, tuition. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I it it would not have not made sense to say yes after starting the whole conversation almost two years ago uh, because of burn the boats. You know, right. so I basically told like I'm I told him I'm burning my boat. I'm coming down to South Alabama. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go to grad school at South Alabama and do everything I can to, to help you, you know, make it turn around the program here. Um, so my first year here, I was his special assistant to the head coach, which was the title that he, um, that he let me have that he gave to me. And then after the first year, uh, one of the assistants left to take another assistant job at another division one school. Um, and Coach Riley bumped up the current director of operations to his assistant and um, gave me the opportunity to, to be his director of operations. So oh, I've so been cool. at the now um, for the last three years and, um, you know, wouldn't really wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest. So it's kind of an interesting road to how I got here like I said it's it's my background really coaching wise is in tennis until I decided to to become a division three volunteer um assistant but I uh basketball is definitely a passion of mine and I you know am biased but saying that uh, I definitely work for what I think is the best head coach in the country so I'm I'm really really excited and, and, and fortunate to be in the, in the position I'm in now. That's so cool. So what are your daily duties as the, you know, um, basketball operations? So the operations position, obviously every job in in the world has a uh, job description. Um, I think the director of operations job description is probably the least followed of any job in the world. (laughs) Um, because it, it could be anything there, there's things that will happen tomorrow that I couldn't, you know, fathom, hopefully not obviously. Um, but you know, it, it's really, it's just a daily kind of organizational job. Um, the things that I'm really like 100% in charge of, you know, I do all of our team travel, um, which includes hotels, buses, food, um, any type of any type of travel to get us to our games um which in a pandemic year last year and then obviously with the the fallout of the pandemic and and jobs and airlines and all that kind of stuff it's been it's been a a a whirlwind um just because you know flight cancellation bus companies not having enough drivers staff shortages at hotels it's it just really um the supply chain hits everywhere you know Um, other things, you know, I, I really, um, take point on our budget. So all kinds of, you know, procurements or anytime our, our card is run or a PO is done, everything, you know, goes through me to the business office to make sure, you know, everything's done correctly and, um, you know, with compliance and, and staying within a budget and everything, um, and then really, I mean, it's just whatever the staff needs me to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate where I have a lot of really high qualified help. We have three GAs here mm-hmm. now. Um, we have uh, two student managers that I would call like full-time student managers. They're here all day, every day, 
And then we have, I think, three or four others that do an incredible job as well. Um, you know, they just have other activities as well, you know, besides basketball. Um, but mm -hmm. when they're, they're full time and do everything they can to help as well. Um, so and then the other thing is really just just being there for the guys, you know, anything that they need, keeping them in good spirits, um, keeping them organized, trying to um, make sure they have the daily schedule. Um, a lot of things as well as, you know, I'm, I'm the liaison for the basketball team to a lot of other areas on campus. So, you know, oh, cool. specific, you know, when we want practice scheduling between us and women's basketball, um, the Mitchell Center has events like concerts and things like that. So the floor comes up and down, um, you know, just keeping our schedule organized on a daily and, and monthly basis to, to make sure we have the practice times that we need. Um, you know, help with academics, obviously, to, to make sure guys get to study hall or that they're staying up to date with their classes. Each, each of our guys has an academic coach, you know, one of the three assistants mm -hmm. that, they, um, that they're kind of in charge of. Um, but I, I help kind of anything other than that, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, really take point on community service, which something Coach Riley really um, values to a high level. I think last year we were number two in the country of all men's basketball division one teams and community service hours. Oh, um, really and then cool. for that, we were number three in the country, um, in hours. So a lot of the things we did last year, obviously with COVID, we couldn't do in person, um, which, you know, we always like to get out into the community as, as much as possible. Um, but, you know, it was my job to make sure we still had a positive effect in the community. So anything we could really do that didn't involve, you know, getting into a room with, you know, kids and, and not following social distancing and how everything was last year. Um, right. You know, because on a, on a normal year, we would go to the Boys and Girls Club and our guys would play basketball or help with homework, you know, while they were there after school. Um, but unfortunately, we just couldn't do things like that because we had to stay in our, you know, testing bubble and all that kind of stuff. So right. um, we one of the things that we did was we collected every single bottle cap that we used. You know, we go through bottled waters, bottled Powerades, um, protein shakes, all that kind of stuff. And we collected every single bottle cap. And uh, there was a local middle school that was melting the bottle caps to build benches at their um, for their playground. Mm -hmm. uh, that was something that was really kind of unique, but it was great that we could contribute to that. Um, you know, and just kind of unique things like that. Uh, that is really Riley, cool. Yeah. And coach Riley takes, takes a lot of pride in that. His, his wife organizes um, a, a yearly, we call it the Jaguar jingle where we connect with um, local kids and, and basically have, we have a meal, we make gingerbread houses, we have arts and crafts, and then Santa comes and delivers presents at the end of the night. So oh, that's it's so cool. really, really cool and, and special to be a part of. So the long-winded answer to your question of what an ops does is, is really anything on a daily basis to help the program run smoothly, to help the staff do really so they can keep their focus on basketball. Um, and obviously I'm not perfect at my job by any stretch of the means, but um, I do try to do everything I can as, as the position 
entails. For sure. So you kind of have to be a jack of all trades and just kind of do a little bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yep. Yep. For sure. Oh, that's funny. So the Southeast is kind of a hotbed for athletes. I mean, football, basketball, there's just a ton of athletes down in the Southeast. And no so, so I guess what my question is, what does South Alabama have that is like their calling card to recruit athletes to their, to your college? Well, it it's actually, and, and coach Riley called it a sleeping giant when, um, when he was introduced in his press conference, because you really don't, you can't explain how special South Alabama is until you get here. Um, so when we have recruits, if we're talking to a recruit, if we can get them to commit to an official visit, coach Riley has had an incredible record of, of getting kids that have come on an official visit to commit. Um, and that's just because of, of the campus and obviously him and his coaching philosophy. But when you get down on campus, South Alabama's campus is amazing. Um, the facilities that we have, our arena is 10,041, I think is the capacity. So it's a high major arena. We have our own practice gym that's just us and men, us and women's basketball. Volleyball has their own facilities. So there's no scheduling conflicts. There's no any of that type of issues, which you have that at high majors because the volleyball team may play in the arena um, because they don't have their own facility. Ours does. Um, campus is amazing. It's in West Mobile. Mobile is an hour and five minutes to the closest beach, an hour, maybe two hours to arguably the nicest beaches in the country on the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so guys, you know, in the summer, obviously not during season because there's really not that much time, but in the summer or in the off season workouts, you know, they'll go to the beach for, for the day on an off day or something like that. And, and obviously you can't do that everywhere, you know? Um, So, and then obviously the academics are really good here too. Um, There's a, the university hospital is the largest in the region. I think it's the only trauma um, hospital in the, in the, in the near region. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of really good facilities and connections and academics, athletics, everything here. It's, it's really a great place. Um, just built a huge on-campus football stadium. Um, I think it's just, we just had our second season in it. So, um, that atmosphere has made the student life just that much better on a Saturday, um, so it's, it's really, it kind of sells itself. Obviously coach Riley is one of the best coach head coaches in the country. So that is the biggest sell, you know, he, he could, he could get who he wants pretty much anywhere because of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely doesn't hurt to have really nice facilities, a really nice campus, be very close to, you know, like I said, you know, um, arguably the nicest beaches in the country. And, um, just just everything about here the our guys live in apartments that are basically on campus so their commute's easy we get to practice in our arena which is you know not always a common occurrence anywhere usually they just play games in the arena um or something like that so it's just it's just a really a really great place to be oh for sure it sounds like it so being from montana how would you know, a kid from Montana 
be recruited to South Alabama? Um, well, obviously the, the, the first part of that answer is basketball talent, right? So when, when, when you're recruiting, um, you know, you're as a head coach, obviously you're trying to bring in the best of the best, Mm -hmm. um, of what you can get. So, um, you know, the, the kind of generic answer is, is if, if you're, and it doesn't just have to be basketball, right? You know, obviously we're talking basketball because I've coached basketball, but I right. played college. Any athlete, if you want to play Division One sports, it's not easy. You know, it, there's I don't know the exact percentages, but the NCAA always puts them out every year. But the percentage of high school athletes that play Division One sports is super, super low. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> so the first thing I, I would say to kind of answer that is obviously. Um, the dedication to your craft and, and your sport and getting yourself to the, to the ability and the talent that you can be recruited to a division one school, wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you need to put yourself out there. So if you're playing AAU basketball, you know, I know um, one of my really good friends in Billings, he played AAU basketball in Colorado, even though he lived in Billings. Mm-hmm. So he, spend a lot of time, you know, in Colorado because, um, you know, they'd have practice and then he'd travel with them. So um, he did that to put himself in a position to um, play Division One basketball because that's what he wanted. And I don't know, um, as Daniel Meyer, he actually went to the University of Nebraska, Omaha, I think. He played at Billings. Oh, okay. um, so he did a really good job of, of – obviously working on his craft, but then putting himself in a position to get noticed by college coaches. Right. And in order to do that, you need to, you know, go play in the tournaments and be a part of a team that's playing in those tournaments and getting seen by college coaches in the summer and, and getting video sent out to college coaches and, and everything like that. So that would be kind of my answer in a generic fashion to your question is just, Um, you know, if you, if you have the want and the desire to play division one or, or college athletics in general, you know, obviously I played division one and division two tennis. So there's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to be a college athlete at whatever level you, you it's at. Um, so that takes the dedication and the drive as a high school kid and, um, the sacrifices to, you know, spend the weekend at, at a tournament as opposed to just hanging out with your friends or something like that. So that would be my suggestion and then do everything you can to, to put yourself out there. Like I said, send out video to coaches. Um, a lot of coaches and a lot of people will tell you to use the power of social media, you know, so you, you get a Twitter and you make your bio, your, your height, your weight, your GPA, your, the school you go to, the AAU team you play for, and then you, you know, you post videos of, of you playing. So, um, you know, that, that I think is a good way to go about it. And there's, there's really no right or wrong way. Just, um, the main thing is you just have to be good enough, right. And you have to have the desire and, and the want to do that. So that's putting in the time, um, putting in the time as a high school athlete to, to put yourself in a position for, to uh, to play after graduation for sure so i took a look at your guys's roster this year and you're very upperclassmen heavy either grad transfers seniors or juniors right how good is that going to be for you guys this year do you think so um coach riley he he 
obviously everyone's talking about the transfer portal, right? That's like the new, the new thing. Coach Riley's been, been, you know, elevating the transfer portal ever since he's been a head coach. He did it at Nickel State and he's done it every year here. He's, he's the, the king, in my opinion, of the transfer portal. Um, and you can see our roster this year has a plethora of, of high major guys. You know, Charles Manning yeah. was at LSU. Javon Franklin and Turbo Jones were at Auburn. Uh, J.J. Chandler um, was at Texas A&M, all of which played meaningful minutes and a couple of them averaged almost 10 points a game. Um, so, you know, those were guys that were obviously high major players, but they were um, playing. You know, you see a mm-hmm. lot of high players that don't play transfer and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and then we had one from one from Memphis. We have one from um, VMI, who's the leading scorer there. And uh, um, so that, that's kind of, in my opinion, the way of the future. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, with COVID and everything, with players, student athletes getting an extra year of eligibility, um, that really kind of puts a damper on, on high school kids. I think eventually it will hopefully get back to to a little bit, you know, not every year is college athletes going to have an extra year, right? Like COVID. Right. So it'll get that's going to wear out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but I think to answer your question, you know, many years ago, if, if someone saw a roster that was so senior heavy, um, they would be like, oh, they're going to be awful next year. You know, they're going to be so young and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, the way of the future is, you know, with the transfer portal, you're getting guys every year that have played college basketball and are, mm-hmm. are in um, with experience. Um, something that Coach Riley does is he always has some from 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 every area. You know, this year we have two true freshmen. Um, we already have two freshmen committed to us from the class of 2022. So they're mm-hmm. going to be freshmen next year. Um, so we have our freshmen. And then the rest will be, um, you know, either a, a transfer, uh, a transfer portal guy from a, another division one or possibly a Juco. We have one Juco guy on our roster right now. Um, that was a, a really high level Juco player. Um, so I, I think what that means for this year though, to, to go back to your question is we have a lot of guys that are here for one year to be as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's what coach Riley has talked to them about. And that's the dreams and goals. And, and they committed to him um, because he committed to them that he was going to help them accomplish their dreams and goals. Um, and mm-hmm. that's to, play, you know, after college, obviously in order to do that, we need to um, uh, you know, they have to continue to develop as players and um, you know, we have to continue to be successful on the basketball court um, because that's obviously, you know, just the way things are in sports, you know, right. you, you really need to win to, to, to create a, a value, if you will, um, for the next level as a player. Um, so that's, that's something that's really exciting to, to be a part of, you know, our group this year is really coming together, uh, which is very exciting because, you know, a lot of things, a lot of times people say, well, you have, you have eight, nine new guys on your roster. How are you going to make that gel in a year? And, and you know, all that kind of stuff our guys have done an excellent job with it. Obviously it, it starts with coach Riley um, and the assistants and, and their leadership, but the guys that we have as well, just their personalities and, and their kind of 
um, what they want out of this year. They all have that common ground. And I think they're all fighting for and, and working towards a common goal, which I think is the biggest uniter, right? If you have mm-hmm. 14 that all have something in common and, and you and all help in your way to accomplish that goal, then you're going to just support each other and, and do everything you can to, to, to contribute to that. So that's, that's what we have going on. Um, obviously we have six more weeks, I think of college basketball until, until selection Sunday, which is obviously the, the date everyone circles on the calendar. So we need to continue to continue to get better and, and stay the course. Um, but, uh, I'm just really excited with, with what we have right now. For sure. So who is South Alabama's biggest rival in basketball? So as a school, um, our biggest rival is Troy, which is about three hours um, away from us. And it's actually uh, who we have this week. So on Thursday, we play Troy at our place. And then on Saturday, we go to Troy, Alabama to play them. Oh, that's funny. So not only is it rivalry week, but right now, both of us sit near the top of the standing. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of a fight for first place as well. And um and, and Thursday and Saturday should be two really exciting games. And hopefully we can, we can do what we need to do to come out on top, but um, it's really fun. Um, South Alabama and Troy, the rivalry, you know, it, it really goes on the whole week. Uh, you can, you can just sense it, especially um, when the teams are successful, like right now mm-hmm. we're doing well, um, they're doing really well as well. So, you know, that just builds to the excitement of the game and kind of, you can just feel it on campus. Um, same during football season as well. You know, when it's Troy week every, you know, there's just different, there's just a different feeling in the air. So um, it's going to be an exciting week. Hopefully, um, you know, the, the weather's good on Thursday and, and we get a lot of people out to the game and everything. Cause that obviously creates a really fun atmosphere. Um, sure. But it's, it's like with anything it's, it's our Duke, North Carolina, you know what I mean? Troy, South Alabama is kind of the, the, um, the game that all the alums and, and the community and, and the students really, really get ready for. Oh, that's so awesome. It's kind of like here in Montana, Montana state and U of M, we are good friends the rest of the season, but that one week, it's like, we hate each other. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's really for- fun though. For sure. So is there anything else you would like to, you know, say to prospective students or just our listeners about the University of South Alabama? Um, you know, besides what I've already said, you know, it, I really can't say enough, enough good things about it. You know, when I, um, when I was living in Billings, did I ever think I'd be in Mobile, Alabama? No, you know, but I, I'm glad I am. And I, I kind of, would say to on that respect like um my uh my grandfather you know stayed in billings for gosh probably 40 50 years you know and he loved billings um but if you're kind of at that age where you're getting ready to graduate high school and and maybe you're thinking about that risk of you know do i go with most of my friends to u of m or montana state or or Rocky or MSUB, or, or maybe I go and, and, and experience four years somewhere across the country. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I did. I was in California and I went to LaSalle, which was in Philadelphia, 
you know, and a lot right. of my friends stayed in California and I wouldn't have traded that experience um, for anything. So um, you're talking to someone who's moved around a lot growing up and, and I never shy away from, from a new experience. Um, I also, some of my best friends haven't left little Parker, Colorado, where I grew up, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I don't say, I don't say either way is right or wrong, but what I do say is that if, if, if you want to take the risk or you're thinking about taking the risk, you know, do something that's potentially uncomfortable and, and move away and, and experience somewhere else, I say, why not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, you know, I love Billings, Montana. It always has a, a special place in my heart. My, my dad still lives there. Um, my cousin and her family still live there and, and, you know, she's, she's got three kids that are going to grow up in Billings and, um, you know, it's just, it's a really good place to be as well. Oh, for sure. No, I love it here. And I've never been to Alabama. I might need to come down one of these days. Yeah, no, it, might as well. I, I love it. You know, like I said, it's, um, Mobile's right on the water, you know, so that obviously has a, a special part to it as well, but, um, you know, there's, there's no complaints from me wearing shorts in January. Right. <laughs> for sure. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time and you have a great rest of your night. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Of course.